Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, this morning I have the opportunity to share and the title of my message is Better Together. And um, I have a prop up here this morning. These are actually my battle ropes, okay? They, um, I, I did think, I, I slept in a little bit this morning because Tony wasn't uh, around, and so I missed out on my cardio session. So I did consider whether I came up here this morning and just entertained you with my 10 minutes of um, battle ropes that I do every morning, and then I thought better against it. But um, I just want, I brought it up here as a demonstration, because this is what you need to know. <laughs> it's kind of dangerous, doesn't it? This is what you need to know. That this rope is stronger than the combined strength of all the individual fibres that make it up. You see, all the individual fibres that make this rope up have what we would call weak spots. Randomly along their length, there are spots that just aren't quite strong enough so that when a pressure is applied, they're weak enough that they would snap. But the beauty of a rope is when you combine all those individual cords together and the twist of the rope, it compensates and makes up for the weakness of each individual strand. And I brought this here because I could just tell you that without showing you, but I want you to see it optically because you have to understand, I believe you and I are like this rope that we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. And when we do life alone and by ourselves, it's that's when an opportunity for things to happen to us where we will find ourselves in a situation that the pressure comes and we could snap. But when we do life together, what happens is our combined strength carries us through, proving what it is that I'm talking about this morning. We are literally better together. God has designed this universe and us to do life and to go well when we do it in community with one another. I need you to turn to the person next to you and say, you need me. Now turn to your second choice and say, I need you. It always amazes me. You give people an inch, they take a mile. Here they go. Talking about grandmas. Did you know this happened? Did you watch the movies last night? Did you see this? No. You need me and I need you. Connection is not only a good idea. Connection is God's idea. And up on the screen behind me, or you can find it in your Bible, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12, it says this, and I'm reading from the message translation. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in a bed warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? Because a three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. I don't know about you, but you only have to look at society today and see that there's actually a lot of disconnection in the world. It's funny because we live in a society that has so many opportunities for connection, 
But just because there's opportunities, it doesn't mean that we take liberty and use and make the best use of those. I mean, we've got social media, you know, you've got Facebook, you've got all of these forums where we can connect with people, but yet disconnection, I believe, is on the rise and is more common and prevails more than actual connection. Because I've discovered that contact isn't connection. And not only is it strange to me because we have all these opportunities for connection we don't take used to. The, the problem is, I believe, it's our humanity. Because what happens is, you know what, when I'm connected with someone, there's a sense of vulnerability, there's a sense of openness, there's a sense of who I really am. And when you do that, the opportunity for somebody to hurt you, for somebody to take advantage of that, for somebody to uh, deliberately do something that's offensive to you or to offend you, or even not deliberate, just doing life together can cause hurts and offences to come. And not only can we, we be the perpetrators of that, we also are the receivers of that. So I can hurt people and people can hurt me. So part of my human nature is just the fact that if connection is a risk of you hurting me, then as a self-preservation method, I'm going to actually reduce my connection. I'm going to approach you with walls. I'm going to be guarded in how I do life with you because I don't want the ramifications of in case you hurt or offend me or do something that I don't like. So not only do we have our humanity, I believe, that works against the God-ordained design of connection, we also have an enemy who understands the power that the rope has. We have an enemy that understands that, you know what, together, in your own, on your own, in your single living life, not single, but living life separate, you have weaknesses that he can just apply certain pressure at certain time, which will cause you to break. But he knows if you knew the power of connection, if you entwined your life with others, then the your total strength, when times when you are weak, someone else's strength could be the coil in the rope, could come alongside you and provide you with something that you just couldn't do on your own. So we're not only battling what happens internally for us and our humanity, we're also battling an enemy that wants nothing more to separate us and keep us isolated because he knows the power of the connection. We are truly better together. And I want to use the scripture that I opened with this morning from Ecclesiastes and just look in there, five things I feel that are better together because of our connection. But before I go there, I want to talk about some of the disadvantages of being uh, disconnected. And I said it before as a slip of the tongue, but when I mentioned single, I'm not talking about being single. I'm talking about being disconnected. See, disconnected is a choice of isolation. It's a choice of doing life by myself. You can still be married and disconnected. You can be married and isolated. So this isn't, oh, well, I'm not disconnected because I'm married or I am disconnected because I'm single. No, 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 no. This isn't about your status. This is about a choice for you to do life, to be, uh, do it in community, to be known and to know Others. So I just want to quickly t- share a few things as to what a lack of connection can lead to us, and then we're going to look at what are the advantages of being connected. So number one, a lack of connection can lead to or leave us vulnerable to attack. Who here is a nature lover? Who watches the Richard Attenborough shows? Any? I know my dad, my father-in-law does. I like. I love. Oh, David's. <laughs> Tell I don't watch him. <laughs> Richard, David Attenborough, and. Um, 
I don't, it, it always fascinates me when you see the hunting. It's always the lioness they're showing you and they're showing you how they catch prey. And um, I remember the very first time we went to South Africa. So back in 96, we went, there were 40 Aussies. We went on this tour bus and part of, uh, did a ministry tour and we had three days in the Kruger Park. And I mean, we were keen to see a kill. I mean, there's 40 Aussies in the bus going, kill, kill, kill. I mean, I wanted to see that lioness get her prey. That was until I actually did see it. And then I was like, oh, (laughs) that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. But what I've noticed when you see those nature shows is the predator never tackles the whole pride. He never goes for the whole bunch. It's not like he wakes up one day and he says, I feel like I'm really, I've got it today. I'm just going to see that herd of zebras. I'm going to take a flying leap and just pick one off in the middle. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. Now, when you watch those shows and you watch how they stalk, what they do is they look for the isolated animal. They look for the straggler. They look for the one who's on the outside because they understand when you're on the outside, when you're not connected, you're vulnerable. And you've all heard the saying, it's the banana that's not part of the bunch that gets peeled and eaten. You never heard that saying? Never? Like, come on, come on, think about it. When you go to the fruit bowl, there's a single banana sitting there next to all the apples, or there's a bunch of five bananas. Do you pick up the bunch and pull off the, the banana on the bunch? No, you grab the loose one, the isolated one, because he's vulnerable and he's the one begging to be eaten, all right? A lack of connection leaves you and I vulnerable. Another thing a lack of connection does is it leads us with a loss of perspective. You know, we all have blind spots. And you know they're called blind spots for a reason, right? It's because you can't see them, because you don't know they're where. And I am amazed at we are so good at self-deception. Our humanity at thinking we are better than we actually are is staggering. I, you know what? I think I'm a pretty good wife all the time. I think I'm an amazing mum all the time. Now, in general, I probably am good. Geordie, nod, great. I probably am good, but it doesn't mean all the time. There are elements in my life and seasons in my life and things that are going on. When I'm not connected, I don't have anybody to point out to me, hey, Kath, we need a conversation. I'm just watching the way you're interacting with Tony and there's something going on. Let's, have it, let's talk about that. I'm watching how you're speaking. I'm watching what's coming out from the overflow of your heart. Something's going on, something that you're unaware of because you're in the moment and in the season. But as an observer and someone who's connected to you and doing life with you, I'm saying something's going on. When you're not connected, you lose, a lot, you lose some of your perspective. You think you're doing good. That's why, girls, when you go and buy a pair of jeans, you've got to take a girlfriend because you can't see what the tush looks like by yourself. You need a girlfriend to go, try another pair. (laughs) How about a skirt? (laughs) All right. So you lose a loss of perspective when you're not connected. Another thing I've discovered in my life when I'm in seasons or periods of not being connected is that you can develop a fear of intimacy. Statistics show that people who don't have good friends can have a hard time in marriage because they haven't learnt how to be vulnerable. They haven't learnt how to do life 
with people, how to know people and how to be known. And if you can't do that in the safety of friendship, you're walking into a marriage where we're now forced to do it because you have to work two individuals now becoming one. If we haven't done uh, been connected, we can get a fear of intimacy because I don't know what I'm doing here. And so it can have an effect in your marriage. It can lead to a uh, fear of intimacy and it can also lead to just... Fear in general, just this root of fear of, well, what if and what if? So if you're sitting there and thinking, oh, you know what, I'm okay by myself, you may be, but only because you haven't understood the fullness and the reality of what you're missing out on. So disconnection can lead to a fear of intimacy. It can lead to selfishness. So if you only have to think of yourself, your needs, your wants, your concerns, then we call that selfish. Because if all you have to consider is you, then you're selfish. But you know what? When you're connected and you're doing life in community, you suddenly realise you can't be selfish. Or if you are selfish, it gets exposed, where it wouldn't be exposed when it's just you. And you often see that with kids. If you look at children who have been isolated, whether they're single children or they're just children who've been doing life without the interaction of other kids, they, they don't know things like how to share. They don't understand that their responses have an effect on those around them, that it isn't just whatever they want to do. I mean, how do you tell a, a child who doesn't have to share their toys, how do you teach them about sharing? Because what's mine is mine. Rather than when if you're a child who's working and have got siblings, you realise very quickly that what's mine is everybody's and what's everybody's is mine. So that's what we learn. So when we're not connected, it can lead to selfishness. And another thing I've discovered in the problem with being disconnected is that it can lead to poor health. Studies show that people who isolate themselves are more likely to die early. Studies also show that people who have poor health habits but deep, meaningful relationships lived longer than those with good health habits but no meaningful relationships. In other words, in my language, in my version, it's better to eat Krispy Kremes with friends than to eat broccoli alone. It's much better for your health. So if you don't hear anything else this morning, you go and enjoy your Krispy Kreme, but enjoy it with a friend and understand that I'm going to live longer and be healthier because I'm eating Krispy Kremes with a friend rather than eating broccoli by myself. All right. We laugh about it, and that's just five things. I'm sure there are plenty of other things that I could pull out to talk about the problem with being disconnected. But what I really want to talk about this morning is why you and I are better together. We need each other. I need you, and you need me. It's God's design, and it's God's plan. So we want to look at his word and the scripture that I open with this morning from Ecclesiastes, and look at why are we better together. And I think the number one reason that you and I are better together is found in verse 9. And I want to call it, work. the work is shared. Verse 9 says this, It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. You know, there was a, a, a survey done on job satisfaction yeah, last year, and I read the survey, and it said most Australians, when interviewed, uh, just said that they didn't actually want more money. They just wanted better job satisfaction. They wanted better work conditions. And I have to say that I love my job. 
But just because I love my job and I love what I do doesn't mean it's always been easy and that every day has been great. There have been some great highs and there's been some really sad lows. But the wonderful thing about doing life in community is that the work is shared. Those great highs, it's not like I'm celebrating by myself. I'm celebrating with friends and a team and we get to enjoy it and, and just say how wonderful it is and when people respond to Christ and, or people have a breakthrough or when you've got an announcement like Matt and Stacey, for those of you who may not know, it's been a journey that we've walked through as a church with their infertility and now to have God come through and do this. It's like you celebrate, it's a big celebration as a team together. But there's also... When, you, when things are bad and things are tough and things are lonely and things are hard, the fact that you're not having to do that, we're sharing the workload. And just only uh, about two weeks ago, we had a really busy season as a church and I was just chatting to one of our staff members and they just, it was just a tough day, just a day. You could see it was written all over their face. Things weren't great. And I remember I said to them, okay, what do you have to do today? And they listed off their list of what it is they had to do. And I said, give it to me, write it down. So they gave it to me and I said, now go home. And they were like, are you firing me? I said, no. I'm saying, go home. Go home. Give me. She, oh, I can't do it. I've got to do it. I said, give that to me. Give it to me. You go home. We will get this done. We're better together because the workload is shared. When they couldn't do it, they were just like, I'm at my wit's end. This is going on. This is going on. This is going on. I don't have it. We were able to say, you know what? Go home. You don't need to be here. We're going to share the load with you. Why are we better together? Because our workload is shared. And I know back in 2016, for those of you who may not know, we walked through, we walked through a health journey with my husband, Tony, who was quite sick, had long stint in hospital, ended up with major surgery. It was a long journey. And I just remember that when that journey first started, I was spending like 7am in the morning, I had to be at the hospital because that's when the doctors did their rounds and they were still trying to discover what was going on. And I was there till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night in those days. I'm still trying to be mum, I'm still uh, trying to lead the church here, there were things that had to be done. But can I tell you that when we're better together, we had a team who were, they were just running church midweek. They were just taking care of decisions. They were doing whatever it is that they needed to do. They would make decisions. And literally, I would come to church on Sunday mornings. They would just say, this is all you have to do. They'd tell me what I had to do. I would do that part. Then I would leave. I'd be back by Tony's side. The work is shared. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that season if I didn't have a teamwork and a community, if I didn't understand the privilege of working together and understanding that the work is shared. I would have had to carry everything I was carrying and that. But you know what? We're better together because people want to do life with you. And when they do life with you, the work is shared. Secondly, when we're looking back at that scripture in verse 9, it goes on to say, it's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. Not only is the work shared, but the wealth is doubled. Do you know what? If I had somebody up here sharing with me today, instantly my knowledge doubles. I suddenly became smarter without reading anything, doing anything, eating anything or using the internet. It suddenly doubles. I don't know, who, who likes doing quizzes? You know, oh, oh. I, I, do you watch the show Pointless? It's pretty pointless. No, it's all right. It, they, the first part of this show, they ask a question and they're not allowed to confer. 
So the person has to answer. And I sweat at that moment because I'm like, well, what would I, would I actually know an answer? I don't know what, I'd want to really talk with someone to know, hey, what's the best answer? Because the aim is you've got to get the lowest answer with the lowest point. And the problem is many of us do life just on our own strength and all we know. And we're like, you know what? We're better together. I suddenly realised if someone was up here preaching with me, we would have double the amount of information. And so who wants to go to a quiz night just themselves? Oh, pick me, team me. I'm like, no, I'm going on a team because I know that I, me at a quiz night, maybe one out of 10. But me and someone else, at least we could get two. I mean, I'm doubled instantly. And that's why only a couple of weeks ago, we had the uh, Money Matters seminar. And there's a re- you know what? We wanted to help people with what they're going to do. There's a reason why I was not on that panel. Thinking about it. No, there's a reason why I was not on that panel. But, that, but the advantage is because of our corporateness and doing community, there are people within this church who know stuff. And they want to help you with stuff. And I don't know if it's because my title was senior leader, but people ask me questions all the time. And I look at them like, do you really think I know the answer to that? <laughs> like, serious. But I had a revelation. I might not know the answer, but I know someone who does. Because we're in community, and it's the same for you. People come to you and they want to know stuff. And you're like, I don't know that, but you know what? I know someone who does. We're better together because the wealth is shared. And so the, at the Money Matters seminar, we had three individuals from this church come and share some great insight in how you can have a pathway to financial freedom. And I wasn't one of them. You don't need to hear that from me. But you know what? I feel like my wealth is doubled because we have access to people like that who we can do it with. What we are better together. So not only is our wealth doubled, but I love this one. It says our weight is halved. Now I'm not talking, I know, I know. You're thinking, hey, I can eat Krispy Kremes and my weight go down. Girlfriend, I wish that were true. But Verse 11 says this, two in a bed warm each other, alone you shiver all night. The example used in this text is from when the author's day back in Palestine, they used to have to walk everywhere. So if they wanted to go to the next city or the next town, then the only way to get there was to walk together. And so what would happen is you you just never knew, one, whether you would make the next town in before nightfall, so it didn't matter what time. There's no guarantees. Maybe there was a landslide, there were rocks on the road, maybe some, someone drove their cows across the road and so you couldn't get through, whatever. There could be something that stopped you making it to the next town before nightfall. Even if you did make it to the next town, there's no guarantee that they actually had an inn. Now, we know Bethlehem had an inn because we're coming up to the Christmas season and so we always sing about the inn in Bethlehem. So we don't know whether the actual city has an inn. And even if it does have an inn, we don't know if it has room in the inn. Again, Christmas story to prove it. So, And there's no mobile phone where you can ring ahead a and just say, hey, look, Kath here, I'm leaving this city. It's probably going to take me oh, six hours to walk to you. I'd like to reserve a room. There's, there was no guarantees. And so often what happened was travellers spent the night on the side of the road or they would look for a cave or somewhere to settle down in the night. And the Palestinian nights got cold. So the reason and the example from this text is if you're travelling by yourself, you're going to have a cold night. 
Whereas if you're travelling together, at least the two of you can snuggle, or three of you, if you're stuck on the side of the road. And I don't know how many of you here are Survivor fans. Have we got any Survivor fans? I love the fact that they can hate each other during the day, they can be backstabbing, they can be doing whatever, but when it comes to night, what do you see? You see them all snuggling, they're all spooning at night because they're trying to keep warm. And it's the same kind of picture that this scripture is telling us, is that, you know what, your weight is half because you have the warmth of connection. You've got the warmth of somebody helping you in the situation and the season in which you find yourself in. And we all walk through cold times. We'll walk through cold times relationally. Maybe right now your marriage is at a point where there's coldness in your marriage. Something's missing. Maybe it's with your kids. There's an estrangement. There's a family estrangement somewhere along the time. Maybe there's a coldness in your uh, health right now, struggling with an issue that hasn't... um, that has presented itself to you and, it's, and, you're, and you're walking through that or maybe even a financial. All of us walk through times when that there's coldness comes into us and we need to walk together with people so that the weight can be halved. And I remember when Tony was uh, in hospital in those first couple of weeks and they were still trying to ascertain what was going on. There was one particular night where they were kept doing some uh, MRIs and they wanted to do CT scans. And he was in such agony that when he went into the MRI, it heated up because they were uh, x-raying his spine. It was heating up his body so much that his temperature was sitting at 42, which is dangerous and he was in agony. And he, they, had, they had done two, and they'd come to him and said, we need to do a third one because we really need to find out this abscess which has set itself up on a spine. We need to have a look at it to determine what it is we're going to do for you, Mr Rainbow. And Tony just looked at me and he said, Kath, I can't do it. I cannot get in that machine again. And if you've ever seen an MRI, anyone who struggles with um, claustrophobia, you're just in this little machine, it's really tight and there's noise, you can't have any metal. It's quite, I had to sit in there with him but not in the machine. And with the temperature um, raising up and him being in so much pain, he just said, I can't do it. He said, I feel physically I will die if you put me in that machine. And I've got the medical staff saying to me, but Mrs Rainbow, He may feel like he will die in the machine. We're telling you, if we don't get this test, he's going to die anyway. So I've got the medical staff telling me this and I've got my husband telling me that. And everything in me is wanting to say, Tony, I don't give a rat if you think you're going to die. You get in that machine and you let them find out because you're not dying on my watch. But there was something in me that just said, I can't do that to this guy. And I remember I had to look him in the eye and just say, you know what, babes? You don't have to do the test because I'm now next of kin. So I can actually make decisions for him. They can say that he's not of a uh, mental capacity and they, I could have overridden his decision. And I just had to look him in the eye and say, you know what, babes? It's okay. You don't have to do the test. We will live with the consequences. We will be fine. Now, that's what I said externally and to his face. But inside, I'm like, what do you mean? Get in that machine. I'm like, I'm going to push you in that machine. You're getting in that machine. That's what's going on on the inside. But you know what? When we talk about being better together and being connected and doing life, I just can remove myself from the room. I can go pick up a phone. I can phone a friend and I can say, please help me because I have to make this decision right now. And everything inside of me is wanting to usurp what he says. Everything inside of me, the flesh in me is wanting to just go, no, do it. 
but I can't because of this. And for someone to just draw alongside and say, Kath, it's a good decision. Kath, you can do this. Kath, it wasn't about me wanting to uh, get rid of my responsibility. It wasn't about me wanting to say, well, I just want you to agree with me so that if this goes pear-shaped, I can blame you. This was about, no, this is a decision I've made, but you know what? You're going to help me carry the weight. Because you know the saying where it says the weight is halved. The problem shared is, is the weight is halved. And so I'm just wanting to say, this is a decision I've made. This is what I'm... But inside, everything is fighting against it. But we're better together because our weight is half because people can walk alongside and say, you know what? I know it feels that way. You know what? I know it screams out at you that. But relax, trust, you're doing the right thing. Here's encouragement for that. I mean, our son Mitchie was born uh, 18 years ago. He was born with no fingers on his left hand and many of you may have heard the story. And so we had, it started a journey, it was a five-year journey. Every year I had to go to the doctor with Mitch and they would just assess and make sure everything was okay and do things. And they were pushing us to take two of his toes off. They wanted to take two of his, um, big, I can't remember which toes now, but they took a toe off each foot and they wanted to graft them onto his little hand that didn't have um, digits. And so they said to us after he was born and they checked everything out and then they decided that that was the only issue. They, every year they monitored and every year they'd ask me and I'd say, no, no, it's okay, it's fine, you know. And they said, that's cool, you've got until he's five. So when that was the fifth year and I go to the doctor, I'm there and the doctor says, okay, because they're, they're keen, I get it, they want to practice on someone and they're wanting to do that. And... Um, so I'm, I'm like, thank you. And I knew the part's coming where they're going to say, okay. And so I said to them, uh, no, actually, we're not going to go ahead with it. Well, this doctor changed. I mean, he said, to, he literally said to me, that's the most irresponsible parenting I've ever heard. And you're just like, okay. And then he was just like, no, seriously. He said, how can you make a decision for this child? He's five. He said, you're making a decision. What about when he's 18 and he wants to do this and then he's going to blame you because you had an opportunity to bring him this and do, and, but you didn't take it. And I was like reeling. But the, the best thing was, is we knew that this decision was coming. So I had been asking people, trusted people, people who knew us, people who believed the same things as we did, people who loved us and were for us, saying, hey, we've got this opportunity. This is what we're feeling. What do you think? And they encouraged us. And I'm telling you, if I didn't have that encouragement at that time when the doctor is telling me how irresponsible I am, how I'm not a caring mother, how I am now ruining my child's life and doing this, if I didn't have that encouragement, if I didn't have that weight already taken off, I, th- I think honestly I would have caved. And the truth is that I was speaking to an occupational therapist not long after that, who they were showing Mitchie how to do some things. And she told me the story of another woman who caved because of the pressure. She said, I wish I'd known because I would have got, put you in touch with her to be because the woman never wanted to do it, but caved in the pressure of that. I'm not having a go at the doctors. I'm saying I made a decision, but the weight was carried and the weight was halved because I'm better together. I thought maybe he's right. Maybe I am missing something. But when you do it in community, people can say, no, you're not. This is what, no, you're not. This is, no, you're not. This is not. And anyway, I remember saying to the doctor, well, doctor, when he's 18, he can make his own mind up. And then I said, and when he's 18, you've probably diagnosed, um, what do you call it, made some sort of contraption that'll be better than taking his toes off of, him, off of his feet. So anyway, we're better together. <laughs> a problem shared is a problem halved. The other thing that I see in this scripture that I love is in verse 10. It says, if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. 
And you know what I've discovered? Why are we better together? Because our walk is aided. You see, if a traveller is travelling along in those days of Palestine to the next city and he falls down and he's by himself, who can help him up? It's all right if he just tripped over a rock, but what if he fell into a pit? What if he breaks his leg? What if he fractures his um, ribs or cracks his skull? When he's by himself, there's no one there to help him. And about five years ago, uh, before uh, Tony and I, we built our home, we were in um, Murray Bridge. The display home was up in Murray Bridge and we wanted to go and have a look at this certain home that they'd built. So we'd gone in and we had the kids with us. It was a Saturday afternoon. We'd gone in and we'd looked at these homes and seen what we'd liked and we were making our way out. And it must have been, I think, the roof. We were looking at different roof tiles, thinking, what do we want? So my husband decides there's a little, like, rendered wall. So he's standing up on the rendered wall out the front of this display home, looking to see, I think, whether it was tile or tin or what the colours are. He's doing whatever. And he gets his answers for his question, and then he jumps off the little wall. The problem was that the ground was that little pebbles and in the middle of this pebble was this massive stone um, water, like water fountain thing, this big massive full of water, full of goldfish sitting on a um, little pedestal. So as Tony lands on the little stones, he rolls his ankle. So his ankle rolls and he reaches out to steady himself and this big chunky three-ton cement fish pond moved. So he hit, hit it in such an, uh, an angle and such a momentum that he tipped it up. So he rolls over, the fish tank kind of comes up, water is pouring out of the fountain, goldfish are going everywhere. The kids and I are just looking and it's like, so the older two are like embarrassed, like I don't know who that is. Tony is writhing on the floor, screaming in pain. I'm trying to pick up goldfish and put them back in. I can't move. I don't know how he moved that thing. I can't move this whatever. And in the end, we did what all, all you can do. I said, kids, run. <laughs> I grabbed Tone, we ran to the car, well, he kind of hobbled, we got into the car, we shoved him in the back, we put his leg up so that it could um, go in between. I'm driving, Mitchie's in the front, the girls are in the back, we just raced out, we got to the nearest petrol station, I ran out, I had to go buy a massive bag of ice, I'm like, Mitch, take your shirt off, and Mitch is like, okay, Mum. <laughs> he takes his shirt off, we throw ice in and we put it, I mean, Tony's foot was like the size, it went Black instantly and massive. I, I know you're still thinking, what happened to the goldfish? I do not know, <laughs> okay? We've never been back there. <laughs> the point is, if Tony had been by himself, he would have been in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> but we were able to get him in the car, get the ice, get him home, and he preached here on the Saturday on crutches because his foot was like up. But you know what? We all fall into pits. Life comes and smacks us in the face sometimes. Things come and happen to us that we're just not prepared for or expectant. We just didn't know that that was going to happen that way. But the beautiful thing is when we do life together, our walk is aided. When, when I got the news that Tony, when they finally discovered what Tony's issue was and what they wanted to do, it was a Saturday night and we hadn't told the church anything. And so Sunday morning, which was Mother's Day, we, I had to preach both morning services and I had to let the church know, hey, by the way, there's something you don't know. Tony's been in hospital all week and this is what it looks like. 
And I remember I was walking along North Terrace because I was thinking, what do I say? Because at that stage when they talked about his blood infection, they were talking eight weeks in hospital. They said, he's, if he survives, he's eight weeks in hospital. So I'm already thinking, how does that work out? What's going on here? What's going on here? I mean, an insight into my brain, I'm like way down the track. And I'll never forget Sam Demore is a good friend of ours at Hillsong. And I rang him just to let him know what was going on. And he obviously sensed it in my voice and what I was saying. And he just said, where are you? And I said, actually, I said, actually, I'm just, I went and got a coffee at Chibo. I'm walking up North Terrace towards the Royal Adelaide. He said, stop where you are. So I did. I'm okay. And then he just, he just said, he said, Kath, you've got this. He said, you can do this. Don't you panic and don't you worry about tomorrow. Listen, this is what God is for you. You've got a great team. And he just started to speak life over me and just to prophesy over me and tell me what it is. And then he started to unpack just this, the strategy of how do you announce it to the church? What do we say? How do we do it? How do I inform everybody without panicking them? Because you're panicking on the inside yourself. How do I do that? And just to know that, you know what, I wasn't alone that Sam could walk alongside and just with wisdom and strategy, just come alongside and say, hey, this is what you do. This is how you do it. This is what we're going to say. This is how it's going to roll out. This is how it's best to prepare the church and let them know. We are better together. Who do you have in your world when you fall into a pit can lend you a hand and pull you out? Who are you doing life with this morning? And then finally, number six, our welfare is guarded. Verse 12 says this, by yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Again, a single traveller was open, uh, I would say an open season for bandits along the road and the Palestinian road. Bandits used to hide. You've heard the story of, um, it just escaped me, you know, when they, the Pharisee, that's it. And when he gets uh, mugged, and then somebody takes him to the inn and looks after him. So muggings were normal in terms of and a danger to society back then. And so what the scripture is saying is if you're walking that road alone, then you're open to being attacked. So you're, you're opening yourself up and your welfare isn't safe. And so when we talk about being better together, what we're saying is, you know what, your welfare is guarded. You know the saying, who's got your back? When we say we're better together, who's got your back? Who's with you? I'm telling you, in that season we walked through in 2016, we had lots of people saying, I've got your back. I felt my welfare was guarded. I couldn't change my circumstance or situation. I couldn't make Tony any better. I couldn't stop our family walking through that. But what I found out is my welfare was A-OK. And I had a girlfriend once said to me, she goes, you know what, I was close enough to be in the situation she would be taking me into the hospital, picking me up, doing certain things, being around. So she was close enough to the situation. She said, so I saw your tears. She goes, I know you weren't just pretending and putting on a stiff upper lip and just saying, hey, it's okay and this is just an act. She goes, no, I saw the tears, so I knew it was real. She said, but you know what I never saw? She goes, I never sensed your fear. And the reason she never sensed my fear is because I had people and doing life together. My welfare was guarded didn't mean that I wasn't confronted at times with fear. It just meant because I was in community, because I was doing life with people, I could pick up the phone. I could ring Marie Diong in New Zealand and say, Marie, 
I'm really struggling. The doctors are telling me this. I'm feeling like a fear is right. I'm starting to think, hey, about our future. And she could speak life and bring life to me. Different friends could do those sorts of things. My welfare was guarded. They couldn't stop me. And they couldn't stop the situation happening to me. They couldn't stop me having to walk it out. But they certainly made sure that my welfare was being looked after. We are better together. My question for you this morning is who's got your back? Who can help you out? Who are you doing life with? Because we've not been created to do life alone. We've been created to do life in community. We are better together. And I love the joint I love the joining together on a Sunday morning. I love the bigness of our services, the fun and the frivolity. But you know what? I also love the intimacy of what we here would call connect groups. I love the fact that I can come and we can have church, we can hear a great message, we can speak and sing songs and enjoy coffee one another. But I love in the midweek there are people in this community who know me and I know them. People in this community who guard my welfare. People in this community who help me with my walk. People in this community who help me with the weight of what it is that I've been asked to carry and having to walk through. People in this community who make me rich, who have doubled my wealth, whether it be I learn from their experiences and I can have an open access into their worlds and and learn from what they have and the talent that, that, that they have. And that my work is shared, that I'm not having to do this all alone. And that scripture that we opened with went on to say this. It went on to say that, you know what, community isn't about others providing it for you. It's about you getting it for yourself. Because it goes on to say that the onus is on you. It says, can you round up a third? It doesn't say, can you sit back and let everybody come to you and if you you feel like it, then, hey, when they actually offer an invitation, say hello, smile at you, then maybe you'll reciprocate. It goes on to say, no, the responsibility is on you. Can you go and find someone? So not only can you go and get something from someone, but how about a revelation of, I actually can give something to someone. And Vicky mentioned earlier this morning that connect groups are on next week. And I want to encourage you, if you're not connected, we've talked about the disadvantages of being disconnected. But there's some major advantages of being connected. And we've provided those opportunities in Connect Group. And I would love it if you were here this morning and went, you know what, I have been disconnected. I've let offence or hurt or busyness or whatever other excuse we want to use keep me at a distance from people and ultimately from God. But Jesus is our greatest example. He initiated friendship towards you and I. He initiated friendship. In fact, not only did he initiate it, when we rebelled and rejected his friendship, when we said, God, we don't need you, we think we can do this better, he then re-initiated restoration with us. And so I don't know the reason for your disconnection. I just know it's not healthy and it's not helpful. And I know that there's opportunity right here, right now, for you to reconnect one to another, but potentially 
also with God. If you're here this morning and you think, actually, I've just disconnected from God. God is saying He wants to reconnect with you this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 